Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you do, uh, if you'll find the 24th chapter of the book of Matthew, and uh, we begin to look at what things are going to look like as the Lord's uh, return is close. And we titled the sermon, Be Ready, and that our focus should be on being ready. And I just want to start tonight, because I don't know if you know this or not, I am not David Jeremiah, all right? Uh, if you expect all of the answers of the book of Revelation to be answered tonight, and Daniel and Matthew, look up here. I am not he, all right? Uh, I just want you to know tonight that as we look at the tribulation period, the seven years uh, that the Lord allows for the judgment of Israel and the judgment of the world, uh, that there's a lot of there. There's a lot of disagreements. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot there. And so tonight I just want to say one simple thing that I believe about the tribulation. And it is this. I am thankful that I'm not going to be there. All right? If you want to be there because you're more spiritual than the rest of us, just have at it. All right? But uh, tonight I really just want to take us through this chapter and get as much as we can uh, just as an overview of what's going to happen, how the Lord's going to work, because it might not matter for us, but there will be people uh, that we love if the Lord comes back quickly that will go through the tribulation period. I pray that there will be people who, who are sitting in this church that uh, hope that you're all saved. Uh, I know in a congregation this big, that's a pretty uh, big stretch, but I pray that if you are left... Uh, that the Lord will deal with you, that the Lord will change you, that the Lord will save you. I know some people don't believe that Gentiles can be saved during the tribulation period. I disagree with that. I believe it will mostly be focused on the Jewish people. But I want you to know that people need to know what is coming, what it's going to be like. And so if you would, stand with me out of a, a reverence to the reading of God's Word. Uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judah flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to his clothes. But woe, excuse me, woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world and to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. For the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So I have told you beforehand, therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out there. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man. For whatever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together.
pray with me. Father, tonight I just pray that You would speak through me. Lord, I am inadequate, incapable of doing the task that is before me. And so, Lord, I just pray that Your Holy Spirit would speak, would work, would move, and God, that Your Word would be preached and that Your Son would be magnified. And God, that You would work and move in this church. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard a pastor who was trying to be funny the other day as I was listening to someone preach on this. And there in verse 17 it says, Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And if you know anything or not, the Jewish people's house would have been a flat roof. They would have been up there praying. But this preacher said, you know why he was on the roof, don't you? His wife was nagging. And the Bible says it's better to live on the roof of your house than in the home. Uh, Anyway, he said, don't go back for her. Leave her. I said, I'm going to use that, not personally, but that's not what he was saying there though. But I want you to see here that God is going to use the tribulation period for judgment. And I don't like to talk about the judgment of God, but God is going to discipline the nation of Israel for their rebellion, for their wicked. He is going to begin to judge the unbelieving world. Now, I want to just share a couple of verses tonight with you, and we're not going to read them just for the sake of time. Write them down, go home, and study them. I believe the church will be removed from the earth in the event known as the rapture. You can find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. You can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 53. You say, well, Jake, how do you know that it will be before the tribulation period? I believe that we are saved from the wrath to come because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. And so when you put those Scriptures together, we see that a rapture will happen and that it will happen before judgment comes. The judgment of God, the tribulation period, is referenced over 13 times in the Old Testament. I won't give you all of them. They're called the day of the Lord, the great judgment, time of Jacob's trouble. And so this idea is taught in the Scriptures. But if you really want to understand how things are going to unfold, the book of Daniel is where you need to be. In Daniel, the ninth chapter, verses 24 through 27, and we don't have time to look at all those tonight, the Bible talks about 70 weeks and the 70th week specifically. And it talks about how God is going to deal with His people. And you know, as Daniel is writing this, His people are the Jewish people. And in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, it says, "...to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy." And so God is saying, I am making everything right. I am going to judge, I'm going to deal with, I'm going to handle, I am going to make all things right. And you can study the book of Daniel and look how it correlates and all of those things, but we just don't have time for that tonight. And so that last week, the 70th week, the seven-week period, this seven-day period is known as the Great Tribulation Period. And this is important tonight because you and I need to know something. There has never been a time or there will never be another time like what God is going to do in the world. 
And tonight I don't believe that anyone should be scared into being saved, but I believe the preaching of the judgment of God can be used by God to show people their need to be saved. We always talk about the fact that God is love and that God loves you is what being saved, but I believe that Jesus repeatedly warned lost people. He warned religious hypocrites. He continually talked to them about the judgment to come. And so as we think about this seven-year period, we think about all that God is going to do. You can reference the fact that the first three and a half years uh, that there is going to be peace and prosperity and, and the, this uh, union, but at the halfway mark, the Bible talks about how that will all change. And there will be great judgment and great persecution and great death and destruction. But in our text tonight, I want to show you a couple things. We see here in verses 18, 19, and 20 the hopelessness of the the situation. The hopelessness of the situation. And tonight I want to encourage you of that because that is why we are given the Great Commission. If you remember our text last week when we ended up chapter 24 in verses 13 and 14, he talks about the gospel being preached to the whole world. Why? Because God knows the judgment to come. It's the same thing with the rich ruler who went to hell and spoke to Abraham about sending someone to his brother's house to warn them of the judgment to come. Why was that so important to him? Because he knew what judgment looked like. And I'm afraid that we have been so blessed by God and that we have been so taken care of by God and that God has met our needs so much that we have forgot, that we refuse to warn people that God's blessings, God's goodness, God's grace and God's mercy are something that God's people enjoy and lost people are able to enjoy some of those blessings. But there is coming a day when the blessings of God are going to end for the lost. There will not be no more. They're blessed just because it rains on the just and the unjust. The goodness and mercy and grace and love of God will be removed from them and it will all be about the righteous judgment of God. And friends, the righteous judgment of God is a terrifying thing, even for the saved and the lost. You say, what do you mean? I am forgiven. And God's righteous judgment toward me has been fulfilled in Christ. But I should always remember how much I've been forgiven from. How much it cost Jesus to die for me. What hopeless state I would be if it wasn't for Him. It talks here about the fact that the days will be shortened because God's elect, God's chosen people, no one would be saved. And no one could stay saved if God did not intervene to limit this period. I think this is something that should encourage us because it is teaching us here that God's people are secure. That God will do whatever it takes to keep His people His. We would call that the security of the believer. That God saves you, God keeps you, God has a purpose for you, God has a plan for you. And we see here that this is going to be a time of great confusion. Everybody claiming to be Jesus. Everybody wanting the focus of worship. And I don't know if you know this or not. We see this a lot in the world that we have today. People don't claim to be God, but they want to be treated like God. 
Just watch these yo-yos on the news that want the government to meet every need that you have and to, to worship the government. It's not the government they want worship, it's them. They want to be in control. They want to be your source. They want to be your substance. They want to provide everything that you need so that you have to worship them. But what we see here is that there will come a day when it won't be subtle. It won't be secretive. It will be out there in the open that people are claiming to be the Lord. And so we see that there will be great periods of judgment. Second thing I want to show you tonight is that Jesus is going to return to defeat His enemies. Now, you say, well, Jake, I'm in heaven. I'm not worried about this. I don't understand why this means something to me. Because when Jesus begins to destroy His enemies, we are quickly approaching a period where there will be no more problems. The new heavens and the new earth of the book of Revelations will happen. But look what it says here in verses 29 through 31. Immediately, so at the end of this seven-year period, the church is gone, Jesus returns, and He's not coming back silently. He's not coming back in a manger. He's not stepping out on a cloud like the midnight cry and calling His children home. He is coming, look what it says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He will send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the earth. You see, it will be a great bringing together of those who have been saved during the tribulation period, but it will be a time of great judgment. Don't miss this. Jesus is never again going to come as a humble servant. He's not coming back as a baby in a manger. When He returns, He is coming back with all of the authority of the Godhead. The same power that spoke the world into existence. The same power that told the sun, which is so hot and so powerful and so magnificent, that it could stay in one place, that it could only do one thing, that it couldn't come too close, it couldn't go too far. All of the power and majesty and wonder, one magnificence excuse me, of God is coming with Him. And this should cause us great rejoicing. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, the Bible says the fool mocks God. And if you're watching anything in the world that we live in, it's a continuous mocking of God. <laughs> you see people walking through the streets, holding rainbow flags. You say, here you go again. No, I'm not going anywhere tonight. I'm telling you that the Bible says that the Rainbow is a covenant. It is a sign of the covenant that God has made. The promise that He has given. And because of that, it is blasphemy. It is a mocking of God. Pride, the sin that caused the human race to fall into the garden, is celebrated a whole month of the year. You see, God is mocked. God is blaspheming. God is continually made fun of in television shows. I was sent a clip this week 
of the most popular television show in Canada. First of all, I said, it's Canada. What do I care? But anyway, I'm kidding. It's just a joke. And in that television show, the one character said, well, you sound like a Christian. And the other character said, not rich enough for that. It's just little things that mock the Christian faith, that make us look like we're wealthy and privileged and and all of these things, and I want them to know something. They might think we're wealthy and privileged, but they have no idea how blessed we really are. And I want you to know that tonight. I want you to hear that tonight because what you need to know is as we get closer and closer, it is only going to get worse. But we must never forget as bad as it gets, as confusing as it gets, that Jesus will return. That He is going to make right the things that have wronged. But I also want you to see tonight that God wants us to be aware of what is going on. You say, Jake, there's so much in the Bible that I can't understand, that I can't live out. Why do I need to know what is going to happen? Because Jesus says right here in verse 32, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away. You see, you have to stop for a minute because Jesus is going back to answering the question that He was talking about, the temple. But He was also talking about the generation that will be alive when all of this happens. When God begins to put this final plan in action, it will all take place with the generation that is alive. Those seven and a half year period, the judgment of God, all of these things... I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but I saw a study the other day for people that were born in, I don't know what year it was, but it said they'd been through two world wars, they'd been through a worldwide pandemic, they'd been through the stock market crash, they had been through so many terrible events in their life, but yet they were one of the most dedicated, they were one of the most resourceful, one of the most wonderful, or you might say, greatest generation to ever live. And I say all that tonight because you and I need to be aware. We need to know that time is near. We need to know that we have a mission to fulfill. I really believe that most of the time, God's people are asleep at the wheel. We don't live with a sense of urgency. We don't live that literally the Lord could return tonight. We don't live with the belief that this might be my last opportunity to share the gospel. This might be my last opportunity to preach a sermon. This might be your last time to hear the gospel. But what he tells us here is that when the signs look like it's summer, when things look like it's supposed to, that we should be aware. God's people should know and be prepared for what is coming. But I want to show you one more thing. We're trying to get through this as quick as tonight as we can. In verse 36, God wants us to know that people will doubt His return. 
You think everybody is going to believe and accept the fact that this unfolds. You are mistaken. I uh, do a lot of funerals. Not very good at it, but I do a lot of them. And uh, when I stand at a graveside, I always read the same passage of Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Talking about the return of the Lord, right? That those who are dead in Christ, that they will be called up, and those of us who remain, just like that. And I always share with them that you have one of two ways to believe. You say, Jake, I've listened to your graveside, just bear with me. I always say you can believe what the world believes, that your 80 years or 90 years or 70 years are as good as it gets. And you end up in a box in a cemetery. Or you can believe what the Bible teaches us, that the soul, everything that makes you who you are, absent from the body, is present with the Lord. Now you would think after hearing that and seeing that, that people would just realize, that makes sense. My life's goal is to end up in a box. Worm food. That's my goal. I'm going to live all of my life for that. Friends, I don't understand. I don't understand how anybody could look at human life and the glory of creation and all that you can see, the wonders and the glory that God has put in creation and say, that's how I want to end up, in a box. No, friends, and I want you to know something. I have shared that and shared that and shared that and shared that and shared that at every funeral, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 and some, I think. And guess how many times someone said, well, glory be to God, I'm ready to be saved. Zero. Why, friends? Because most people have hardened their hearts. But I want you to look at verse 36 through 34 with me. But of that day and hour, no one knows not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taking and the other is left. Watch there, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed this house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You see, God wants you to be ready. Now, most of us don't think that's good enough. I want to know the day and the hour and the time. I want to know when I'm going to die, how I'm going to die. I want everything worked out that way I can be ready. But God says it doesn't work that way. God says, be ready always. Just like the Great Commission, share the gospel as you go. You don't need me to stand up here and say, we're going out on Saturday at 7.30 a.m. and knocking on doors because we know people will be home. 
You say, well, Jake, that'd be terrible to show up at someone's door at 7.30 in the morning. How angry they'd be, how mad they'd be. I think they'd be more mad to be in hell for all of eternity and never hear the gospel. But hey, that's between you and them. You see, we should live always expectingly. We should work our midnight shift like the person that we work with might never come back again. We should teach and we should educate and work with people with the understanding that we might never get another chance. As a parent, we should live and pray knowing that we might not ever get a chance. You see, this whole chapter is about so many things, more than I could ever preach, more than I could ever explain. We could spend months and months and years digging through all the Bible says. But the great theme is just be ready. Just be ready. And it ends in verses 45 through 51 with the, really the focus point of why you should be ready. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is the master whom his, the servant whom his master when he comes will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that He will make Him ruler over all of His goods. He says, be ready because there's coming a day of accountability. And tonight I want you to hear that. Are you being faithful? You say, Jake, I'm here on a Sunday night. You can't get much more faithful than that. I want you to know you can be just as wicked sick in here, sitting here on Sunday night as you can at the Spot Tavern. You could be just as lost sitting in this building tonight as sitting on your boat in the middle of a lake fishing. But it helps that you're here. I'm proud of you, by the way. But in verse 48, look what it says. But if the evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I uh, There's a lot of disagreement over this. I believe that it is the saved and the lost. I don't believe it's unfaithfully saved, unfaithful saved people. Because it says there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you read that in the Bible as synonymous with the punishment of damnation, the punishment of hell, the punishment of the second death. But tonight I want you to hear this. I want you to see this. Because friends, tonight God wants you to be faithful. I know it's not easy to be faithful. I know it's easy to let your mind wander. Now, I don't know if you other, anyone has this problem, but um, I can be watching a sermon on YouTube. And I can be listening and studying and praying. And then some ad will come up. And I'll be like, well, of course I want to know how to regain my hair. 72 minutes later, 14 videos and $610 in and snake oil. I'm like, man, I was doing something important. Or man, I'll be right in the middle of the gathers and they'll be singing, I don't, you know, whatever it is, and I'll just be happy. And all of a sudden, I'll get an ad for 
wouldn't you like to lose 40 pounds? I'd be like, well, of course I would. Click. You need to eat the Mediterranean diet and the keto diet. You need to not exercise because that doesn't really work. You need to do this and you need to buy these medicines. And $800 and four hours later, I am just as fat as I ever was. You say, Jake, that doesn't happen to me. Well, that's the only one that I have because I'm not on Facebook. Now, I use my wife sometimes because everybody needs to be creeped on from time to time, all right? (laughs) It might look like this for you. Ooh, 14-minute video here. Ooh, I really would love to buy this. Ooh, marketplace! Seven hours later, $9,000. It's that easy. It's that easy to wander. You say, well, Jake, that's not a big deal. That's not a bad deal. That's just... That, that's just the way life works. If I hear one more person tell me I'm a binge watcher on Netflix, I sit down and watch 18 hours of television in one sitting. That sounds Christ-like. They say it was the chosen, so it's okay. I guess I can't argue with that, but whatever. But that's what we hear. That's the wow easy it is to get distracted. How easy it is to begin to wander in our mind. You say, Jake, why is that wrong? Because the Bible says to bring every thought captive. Don't waste the life that God has given you. Don't waste the opportunities that God has given you with your families. You know, I've made everybody mad. I might as well just keep right on going. I know this is not a cell phone, but I don't have my cell phone. All right, with me. If I go out to the movies one more time and go out to eat before I go to a movie and I see two grown people going like this and the person sitting across from them going like this and then usually there's some kids sitting here and they're going like this. You're going to see me in the Jefferson County paper for slinging a table because you're wasting the time that God has given you. And friends, if there's one thing this preacher can do for you tonight, it is this. Stop wasting the gift of time. Stop wasting the gift of opportunities. Stop wasting the moments that God has given you to make a difference in the lives of other people. And I really feel like that's something God's been just dealing with me because I've preached so many funerals. And I've never heard anyone say, I've just spent too much time with my mom. I wish I would have taken more business trips away from my spouse. I wish I would have been a bigger absent father. You never hear that. It's always, I wish I could go back and listen. How many of you wish, some of you are grandparents, but I'll say this. How many of you can wish you could sit back with your grandparents and just listen to them to tell the stories of what it was like and actually write it down? Just now that I'm getting older, I'm thinking, you were an idiot. I would give anything to go back and sit and listen to how my grandma threw my uncle's Mickey Mantle rookie card away that just sold for $12.6 million. I'm not even sure it was a rookie card, but it was a lot and think, man, I would, have, I would have sucked up as much as I could to get in that guy's will, right? Oh, it was just a joke. <laughs> or just the stuff that makes a difference. 
How many of you know your grandparents' salvation story? How many of you know your parents' salvation story? How many do you know your siblings' salvation story? How many do you know the things that matter? Because, friends, there's coming a day when God is going to make an end of everything. And on that day, it will be too late. And so my challenge as we go through this chapter is to live a life of no regret for the glory of God. You say, see, Jake, this is a a sign that we need to take more vacations. I'm not against vacations. And I'm not against hobbies. And I'm not against fun. I'm not a fun person, if you know me. I don't like fun. And that's not for me. I don't want to be on a jet ski. don't want to be on a boat. I want to be sitting on a porch drinking coffee. That's it. All right? That is my life that I want. But friends, I'm telling you, live a life that means something. Live a life that makes a difference. And then when this all takes place, however it's going to take place, you can live a life of no regret. And if the Lord takes you home before all this happens, the same can be said. A life of no regret. My prayer for our church is that we would be a church that is living with no regret. Serving God, ministering to people, caring for people, making a difference in the life of people. Preached a funeral recently, not today, but recently. A young man had wandered from God. His grandma that had raised him, took him to church, read the Bible with him, prayed with him, just had made a huge difference in his life. But like most teenage boys, he decided that, that uh, wine, women, and, and the wonders of the world was more enticing. So he had spent many years running from the Lord, and Grandma died. And as I was sitting there speaking with him, he said, uh, he said, you know, I, I hate that I've disappointed my grandmother. And he said, I hate that I have disappointed the Lord. And he said, I know the Lord knows everything, Jake. Everything. He knows when I was going to return to Him. But do you think my grandma has ever found joy after all the nights of tears praying for me? And I can't answer that because I don't know what people know in heaven or don't know. I know they know that when people someone's saved, but I don't know all of it, and that's why I'm not going to speak to it. But I know there is rejoicing in heaven when one sinner is saved. And so this guy was saved and returns. I don't know. But all he kept saying is, I wish I hadn't lived a life regret. I wish I hadn't wasted my grandmother's prayers on a wicked me. And I thought about that for a second. And I thought, man, what a great privilege to pray for our family members that are lost and friends that are lost. And I said, well, I don't think it's a waste. You, you returned. You came home. He goes, I wish he would have been praying that God was opening doors of ministry not dragging me out of the gutter. And it's just really stuck with me. I want my mother's prayers to be shed and prayed for me to be able to serve the Lord, not have to drag me back. I want your prayers for your children to be, God, what comes next for them, not God just return them. I want your prayers for your marriage not to have to be, God, 
bring them back to a place of forgiveness and love. But God, what can be next for us? So tonight I challenge you to live a life with no regret. Pray with me. Father, I thank You for Your Word. And Lord, I know that I am not adequate, that I am not able to to explain it all, to, to answer it all. But God, I pray that You will show us of the need to be ready. God, to live a life of no regret. God, to be watching and waiting for what You're going to do, believing that You will do it. God, tonight I do come humbly asking that You would help me to be focused on Your business, to be following You, serving You, loving You. Lord, tonight I just pray for this congregation. Lord, I'm so thankful for them. I'm so thankful for their love for You and their willingness to serve and follow You, God. But I ask that You would cause us to step out a little deeper. Father, to, to serve a little more to grow in our relationship with You. And Father, tonight in this place, if there's anyone here that doesn't know You, God, that is facing Your judgment, I pray tonight that Your Holy Spirit would begin to do what only He can do. Convict them. Draw them. Save them. Lord, whatever other needs, whatever other desires, whatever other things are on the hearts of Your people tonight, God, that You'd give us the freedom to worship You and to come to You. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.